0: Are you a small business owner looking to take your business to the next level? Are you interested in starting a business but don't know where to begin? Welcome to the Source Capital Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs gain a better understanding of the capital raising process and help them get the funding necessary to start and grow their business. I'm your host, Corey Townsend, and I help people start and grow businesses. Use those businesses to create and manage wealth, and use their wealth to establish and preserve their legacy. All right. So today I am joined by Savannah Schiavo, who is a business and life coach. I met Savannah a couple of weeks ago through my mastermind. As with probably most masterminds, we were struggling with some things and brought Savannah in to get her expertise to kind of help us to get over the hump, if you will. And I don't know if Savannah knows this or not, but I've actually scheduled a one-on-one session with her for next Mm. week to try to get me a little bit of a kicker in the rear. So, Savannah, thank you so much for joining today. Tell me a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up and what it was like to grow up there.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Well, thank you for having me. Right now, I'm in Ottawa, Canada. So, For those that don't know Canada very well or Ottawa, Ottawa is the capital and I grew up here, luckily, and I actually have traveled all over the world and lived in different places, but I keep coming back here because my family's here and I am very, very close with them. So, I got to set up shop here. We recently bought a house. I recently got married to my partner of nearly fourteen years.
0: Congratulations, Of
1: course. From this house, I get to work out of my full-time business, which is coaching wonderful humans from all over the world. So I kind of I get that like international feel through my clients still. So it's nice,
0: fantastic. So, did you always plan to be a life and business coach or, What was the windy road that landed you in this spot?
1: Yeah. Does anyone ever plan to do (laughs) what they end up doing? I don't know anyone. Yes, I know exactly
0: what I was going to do from the outset. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're the the exception, not the rule. Yeah. No, I certainly did not know. I went to school and my background is in international development work. And then later, it became fundraising work. So I worked with international, national, and local charities, helping them raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to fulfill their missions between working with people with disabilities, to homeless youth, to extreme poverty around the globe. Wow. I had no idea I was going to be a life coach until like coaching sort of called my name, But I knew no matter what I was going to do, and this was true as far back as growing up, middle school, high school, university, I knew I had to do something that was purpose-driven. I kind of don't love that word even as I say it because I feel like that's really big in the online space, like purpose-driven business. I just mean like how I spend my time needed to feel like I was making an impact. I always say I'm like, I want to leave this earth knowing I really did something while I was here, even if it's just drastically change one person's life, Mm. like a family member of yours. I just feel like that, let alone, you know, the clients I get to work with or the charities I've supported or so I didn't know I was going to be here. But as with, I think, a lot of careers, I feel like there was for me before I ever became a coach, I got into coaching myself and changed my own life. Mm -hmm. And kind of came out the other end going, oh, like, I've changed my own life so drastically. This is a way I can make that same impact. Mm-hmm. What would it be like to explore it? And then now I'm here getting to do it as my profession, which is like the coolest thing. You know, I've been <laughs> doing this for years, but I'm still like, I am the luckiest person.
2: <laughs> right.
1: That's my pervasive thought. I'm the luckiest. It's been a good journey, but not one I expected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you started in international development please elaborate on that. I didn't know that was an option. I would have definitely at least explored that on my majors list when I was going through school. How did you get into that? Yeah.
1: So when I was in high school, I was in like all of the clubs. I was in the environmental club and I played on the soccer team and I was valedictorian. And I just was always like, how can I do something that's impactful while I'm Mm -hmm. here at school. And I didn't know about international development either. It was actually my environmental teacher, my environmental studies teacher told me about it. And essentially, it's tough because I'm not sure about how it's formulated in the States. But in Canada, the course of international development is sort of a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of courses that can take you a whole bunch of different places. So, hmm. I wanted to go in working abroad and getting to be part of program development that helped communities or helped policies. But where I ended up taking it was I want to be the people, I want to be part of the team that helps fund those projects. I don't want to hmm. be just at the desk. I want to be like connecting with other people and using a lot of the skills, honestly, that I get to use today. To bring people together. So when I found out about that, I was like, you can do this. (laughs) And then I graduated and was like, what am I going to do? And then Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you can do this, which was fundraising. And I got to live in Bolivia. And I got to work with so many different kinds of organizations. Mm -hmm. That was the progression of how I found out what even this was and where I was going to take it. So It's kind of a broad thing, like everything. Like law is broad, right? You're like, oh, I'll be a lawyer, like in the movies. Probably not. You can be in medical law and family law. So that's sort of my journey, as I think is a common journey for like everyone graduating college and university.
0: Right. When I was young, I say I've always known what I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. I did in a very ambiguous sense, just like what you described, right? You think, okay, well... Yeah, I want to work with businesses and in banking. But even as a teenager, I had no idea how expansive and broad working in finance could be. And a lot of that's based on whatever your background you come from. But I certainly didn't have any bankers or anything like that in my family. So Mm -hmm. very interesting. So what was the transition from working in development to entrepreneurship? I know you said you kind of started Coaching yourself. How young were you when you really started doing that? Because that seems like pretty advanced, at least for me. It took me a long time to figure out I needed help.
1: Yeah, I didn't start by coaching myself. I certainly didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I just knew I needed help. And I can tell you, I always knew entrepreneurship was going to be something I was going to pursue and was kind of like in my blood. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs know that. I mean, going to happen Mm -hmm. that was me and in my 20s i built a business that was a small clothing store an online clothing store clothing i designed and it had messages of equality and justice and peace and diversity and it was such a passion project and i was so excited and i was absolutely terrified all of the time (laughs) i was terrified to fail I was so afraid of what other people would think, including people that believed in these messages and believed in, mm-hmm. I was afraid to say the wrong thing. I was afraid to be seen. I was afraid to be seen failing. I was afraid to use my voice. I was like, who the hell am I? Right? Right. All of these pieces that ultimately crumbled the business and made me this very shaky entrepreneur it's crazy because I talk about it with my friends now. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for that experience. It helped me get here. I really got into coaching because once I closed down that business, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. But I knew I needed to do the inner work if I was ever going to do something even remotely similar. I was so in my head about it. And I didn't have any of the tools to do anything otherwise. So I was just sort of like, I got to get help and not in this, like I'm in a crisis mode, but in a, okay, if I want to do this, I know the thing that gets in my way is my own head. Right. So what am I going to do with that thing? So I hired a coach and I started coaching and not really in the entrepreneurship space. I just started changing other areas of my life, like my habits, my productivity, the way I treated myself, the way I talked to myself. My relationships, my relationship with myself, my level of confidence being seen in different spaces, Mm -hmm. in being a leader, the way I saw myself. And so many areas of my life changed. I lost all this weight and I made all this money and my relationships got healthier. It was such a cool advancement that I was like, I'm going to explore what's next for me with this. Mm -hmm. I got certified with one of the top schools in the world and invested significant portion into myself into my business and grew it from there and now people know me most of my clients come from people saying oh she drastically helped me you need to work with her and like it's the greatest compliment that i get to connect with people who have been touched or informed by someone who has been touched by this work so right yeah it was a long process but it was like failure that got me to success which is Always the story, right? That's right. For us entrepreneurs, it's like the way it right, is. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting because this is the source capital podcast, but you know, sometimes our focus is too narrow in terms of capital. There's not just money capital, there's human capital. And if your mind is not right and you don't have the right mindset, it really doesn't matter how much financial capital you have. You won't do the things that you need to do to be successful in your business. So it's very interesting that you kind of came to that realization through your first venture and or adventure and entrepreneurship and took a pivot and said, you know, this is a problem that I'm having. Other entrepreneurs are probably having it. You know, maybe I can make that into a business. Very interesting. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your business today. And I know your focus is on entrepreneurs and high achievers. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: The reason I chose these two groups of people, which I can speak to in a second, is because I am or was those groups of people. So the work that I do is really based on all of the, I don't want to say based on the achievements, but like I am the product of this work. Mm-hmm. The person who's sitting here today wasn't the person who was sitting here like five years ago, six years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this work that has allowed me to do that. So I like to say that because I think we're kind of coaching. What is that? And I'm like, yeah, I'll show you how to do it. And I got to walk that path first. So I work with two groups of people. I work with actually a whole bunch of people and people come to me for different things and we end up individually tackling different things. But the two main groups of people that I work with is entrepreneurs. I help entrepreneurs build the confidence they need to create, run and grow successful businesses. Mm -hmm. And I work with high achievers and I help them calm the anxiety, self-doubt and fear they have about getting out there, about being leaders in their industries or professions or relationships and help them stop overthinking, start taking action and feel more confident. So those are two groups of people. I notice a lot of them intertwine. (laughs) A lot of my (laughs) entrepreneurs are high achievers. And a lot of my high achievers are like, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, I can help you with all of it. So I get to do that with people from honestly, every I think I don't have anyone in Australia, but most corners of the world has been pretty cool.
0: Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what was the, the biggest challenge you faced kind of in your second phase of entrepreneurship? you had the mental blocks yeah. early with the fashion and clothing store or business what were some of the challenges you faced when you made the pivot and you kind of built some of those probably not good to call them soft skills but you know some of the mental blocks that you had in the first iteration of entrepreneurship what were some of the challenges you faced it with this business
1: yeah oh that's so good and i can what comes to mind so quickly is coming out of hustle culture. Mm. Coming out of the idea that we are supposed to be hyper productive, that we are only useful and successful when we are hyper productive and constantly achieving mm. and letting myself slow down. Mm. This is so many of the people I work with were like entrepreneurship, we talk about it like we're the people that are going to, you got to hustle, you got to make it happen. And we have no idea how much that is fear-based and we are trying to build something good from fear. Mm. We are trying to build greatness from terror. And I had to, I'm going to make this sound like it was a short thing. It was a long process of really unwinding hustle culture in my business. And I'm on the tail end of it and honestly my idea now is like the more I rest, the more my business grows. Mm-hmm. The more I let myself flow, the more abundance I have in my business and in my life. But that right. <laughs> that's easy to say now. It was a learning and an unlearning that you know when you get into a business, we're sort of just told like you got to grind. And there's so right. many gurus out there being like grind, hustle, do it and it's like that is not actually the way to build a sustainable <laughs> nervous system let alone business right because the majority of us burn out when we don't see results immediately
0: yes it's so interesting you mentioned that because that's kind of how we engaged you for the mastermind is we were having a conversation about we've got to start saying no to some things because we all were feeling overextended and burnout and there's this sort of paralysis that you get because you have so many things on your plate and so many obligations that you're not really doing anything effectively. So that's a great, great point. So what would you say is the most misunderstood aspect of what you do in terms of coaching?
1: Ooh, two things come to mind. One is Mm -hmm. that a life coach knows how to do life better than like any other human on the planet. Misconception. I have no idea what my clients are supposed to do, and it's not my Mm. job. They don't hire me to tell them what to do, which is the best news. I say that because sometimes I feel like life coach sounds sort of like they're going to tell me the way to do it, the way to do life. Mm. And it's a serious misconception. It is, of course, not what we do. It is more about helping our clients find and learn tools to create more of what they want be it competence or habits mm. or productivity or time management or deeper, more connected relationships or strategies to grow their business, whatever it is, it's just a title. But the other thing I think that gets misconstrued, especially maybe in my field, particularly that I work on confidence, is what I'm not doing is any sort of pseudo therapy or anything mm-hmm. Related to therapy, I like to explain coaching and therapy as people will meet with me, and if I don't think they're a good fit, we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to let them know, I don't think we're a good fit, right, based on what you need, because some people, it feels like they're standing in a hole, Mm -hmm. navigating something like a mental health issue, and they're just trying to get back to solid ground. That is Mm. an excellent fit to work with a mental health professional who can support you, taking you out of the hole and getting you back to solid ground. Coaching is for people who are on solid ground, but they're trying to get up a mountain. Mm. They're like, I'm stable, but I can't seem to get out of my own head when it comes to getting on video. Or I don't feel comfortable charging for my expertise and I can't seem to make myself not feel terrified when I go to do it, whatever it is, right? They're like, Mm. they're where they are, but the mountain feels really hard to get up. That's what we do together, learning different tools and applicable, tangible concepts that they can use to shift their behaviors, how they feel, and ultimately what they think and do to create more of what they want.
0: So given that, what would you say is the most important personality trait someone would need to have if they wanted to be a business and life coach?
1: Hmm. I think I would say, and I'm super curious, Corey, if you would agree with me, not just about a business and life coach, but like, I'm going to go all entrepreneurs. I think one of the mm-hmm. biggest traits to have and that you can develop, you don't have to start with, is resiliency. Mm-hmm. And I say resiliency because, in my opinion, there is no personal development container quite like running a business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It will challenge you. You will have every feeling. You will have every thought. You will go through drama. You will go through fear and scarcity and fear of judgment and fear of rejection and so many of these pieces. and resiliency to be able to navigate those emotional experiences, to open up to those emotional experiences, to go through those hard times, Mm -hmm. I think is something we can absolutely cultivate and that we need to cultivate because at the beginning of a business, it's a lot of like, fall off the horse, get back on the horse, fall off the horse, get back on the horse. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to drive this thing what do we do? Right. It's like,
0: right. Right.
1: We need to be resilient to just learn how to ride the horse, let alone Mm -hmm. go all the way. So for so many reasons for certainly as a life coach. And I think, you know, if we were like talking as a coach specifically, I might have a different answer, but as an entrepreneur, as a coach who runs their own business or any entrepreneur, I would say cultivating resiliency, your ability to move through emotional states and hardships Mm -hmm. because then it's just a matter of time, right? Then it's just like, oh, I just need to like keep going and it's going to be done.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that's why I think it's so important. And I was really excited to have you on the show, frankly, because people need to engage with someone like you because resiliency is important. But you also have to, coupled with that, be able to say, yeah, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, and acknowledge that, acknowledge it's okay to feel that way because that's how you're able to continue to be resilient and to continue to move forward. But if you beat yourself up and destroy yourself because you feel certain emotions about where you are in the process, that's what can keep you from being resilient and keep you from getting back up and getting back on that horse. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right.
1: That's so true and good and yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what would you say your biggest pet peeve is about being a life coach? What's your clients that you have to put in time out? What's the thing that they consistently do?
1: Pet peeve with my clients or pet peeve in this profession, would you say,
0: are you asking? Well, I would say in the profession, maybe not client specific, but in the profession. You
1: know what it is? It's how long some of the administrative things are taking lately. Mm. But I can tell I'm like, my next step is to bring someone onto my team because I don't want to say it's a pet peeve because I, I kind of like those things. Yeah, I don't totally hate them, but it's like how long everything takes. You have new clients coming on this week and all the onboarding, those pieces. Yeah, actually, this is going to be my answer. <laughs> like As I start thinking about it, I'm like, this is the one it's how long all the little unexpected administrative things take. For example, onboarding and my onboarding is actually quite seamless, but it still takes time. And then websites. Last week, I had a day and I'm not joking. It was like seven different technologies I was using just stopped working in a (laughs) 24-hour period. I was like, What are we what is (laughs) happening? Like, what is the is there a shift in the world that I should know about? Right? So things like that. I'm like, I already have my day planned. I already have my clients planned. I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna be done at this time. And then like seven technologies break. So it's the amount of time that administrative and like behind the scenes work takes, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't have answered two years ago or even a year ago. I would have been like, oh, you know it's going out and putting myself out there at the beginning or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now that stuff's really comfortable. And I just, I really love to connect with humans in whatever capacity I'm doing it, coaching calls or social media or podcasts or writing articles. Now it's the like tedious things that are like keeping me from doing those fun things that I'm pet peeving. Yes.
0: Got it. Okay. (laughs) So now that you've kind of Developed, you're thinking about expanding your business, which I think is fantastic, possibly adding some help. Yeah. If you could get in the time machine and go back and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell them about what they needed in terms of the way forward? I know we talked about resilience, but what other advice would you give to your 18 year old self?
1: Oh, Corey, love that question. And I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that on a podcast but I feel like we should all be asking ourselves that like once a year. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) The development that can come from that because it's such a good reflection question. I think what I would tell her, because I mean, high achiever was an understatement when I was 18 and all through my 20s. And honestly, even at the beginning of my 30s is practicing trust, if that makes sense. I don't know if you pick a word of the year. Do you pick a word for each year?
0: Believe it or not, I do. What <laughs> your do pick a word? Know? Of the year. Oh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> you can let it come. I don't. Really, I don't really want to <laughs> share. I'll share to you. I share the word. So my word last year was wildcat. Shared last year's word because you know I just don't want to put this year's word out there yet. Yeah, yeah, sure. But but last year's word was wildcat because it was all about a wildcatter, you're from Canada, they drill wells in Canada. You know what a wildcatter is, right? Somebody that explores for oil. So my focus last year was all about my client prospecting and business acquisition process. So like a wildcatter searching for oil or black gold, that was my focus last year was I was searching for new opportunities. Yeah. So that was my last year's word. My birthday is In about 14 days. And that for me, that is my new year. So (laughs) January 1 is not my new year. My birthday is my new year. So I generally start my shift and new word and all that April 6th. So I love that. We'll share the new word after the new year. But Wildcat, that's my word.
1: Beautiful. We'll be listening for that (laughs) new word. I'll give you my word too. And it comes back to what I'm talking about. My word this year is trust. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us hustlers, high achievers, a lot of entrepreneurs, we haven't cultivated relationship skill, emotional state of trusting that it's going to be okay. That's why we overwork. That's why we try and change other people's opinions and manipulate circumstances. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like we're trying to do so that like we can be okay. And trust is something that I've stepped into in the past couple of years in such a big way, and it has truly, truly changed my life. It's changed the amount of time that I work. It's changed the way that I coach. It's changed the way that I do business. It's changed the way that I am in relationships. And so I know that 18-year-old Savannah did not trust. She was like, oh, you have to do, and you have to effort really hard, Mm -hmm. and you have to go, go, go. And then you will be successful. And she certainly didn't trust that it was all going to be okay. And she certainly didn't trust that she was going to find her way. And that is what I would, which would be hard because 18 year old me would be like, what are you talking about? But (laughs) (laughs) it would be to practice cultivating trust that it is going to be so much better than you can even imagine. And Trust in all the senses, like trusting the people that you're surrounded by, trusting yourself, Mm -hmm. trusting your intuition, trusting what's best for things like your career path and your business. Mm -hmm. That is a huge skill set that I help entrepreneurs with. When we don't feel confident, we certainly don't make decisions from a confident place. We are waiting for someone else to tell us, here's the thing to do. Here's the right way. Mm-hmm. And so, our whole life feels shaky and like we're just jumping from the next guru to guru because we don't mm-hmm. even have the confidence to go, okay, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but neither does this guru. No one's a fortune teller. What do I believe in? What do I want to do? And can I trust myself to go forward and be okay and have my own back even if it doesn't work out? Right. That is one of the pillars, I think, of building Successful business is being able to not only trust yourself in your decision making process, but trust yourself even when it doesn't work out. Even when it's Mm. you go for something, you're like, oh, that wasn't the thing. Okay, what am I going to do now? Versus, oh my gosh, okay, I clearly don't have the answer. Who does?
2: Right, right.
1: So, yeah, trust, trust word of 2022 for me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> maybe I'll have you back to share my word.
1: Oh, yes.
0: We'll have another episode to talk about my word, maybe do a little bit more deep dive into it. So let's talk about the future. We talked about what you would say to 18-year-old Savannah. Where do you see the future of your business, the future of the industry? You are in, I think, a unique position because it seems like, at least from the television I watched services like yours are being offered kind of through apps and things like that. So this seems like a lot of opportunity for your type of business. What do you see your business and the industry in the next five to 10 years?
1: I think the coaching industry is blowing up. It's blowing up because there is a true gap in the system or systems and it's required. So coming back to that idea of the person that's in the hole, right? Therapy exists, but there's not this reference point there's not this support for people who feel like they're on stable ground but they can't get up the mountain Mm. coaching fills that gap right so i think as an industry we are growing because and i (laughs) i'm thinking about some of my new clients who are like i never imagined myself having a life coach yeah like i don't think any of us grow up being like oh i'm definitely going to have a therapist or i'm definitely going to have a life coach it's not a fault. It's an amazing support that like improves our lives. Right. So I think the industry is really growing. For me, I spend time thinking about this, and I try not to put too much clear, like, it has to be this way kind of mentality on paper. But I know for sure something in my future, certainly before the next five years, is a podcast. Mm-hmm. I have been lucky to be on podcasts from all over the place. And I love getting to not just share my journey, but share tools and ideas and concepts in a way that I'm just naturally comfortable doing, which is getting to talk, right? Mm -hmm. So for sure, podcasting, and I think eventually really opening up to more having an offer that allows people to work in groups. I love one-on-one coaching and coaches are often told to get groups and create groups. And we kind of use it as this milestone. But for me, I know my clients love so much. And I personally, as a client of other coaches, love to be in a one on one setting where I get to be totally taken care of. So in the future, my business is, I mean, really growing steadily maybe steadily is not even the word. It's like growing. (laughs) It's really doing its thing. (laughs) I can see that happening and keeping groups, but I don't, one thing I don't see changing is being able to offer individualized, personalized, and intimate one-on-one support. Mm -hmm. Though I would add on some new pieces, podcast, group offers, and then so many different topics that I want to talk about and coach through and support people with. So that feels like a poor answer, but it's so big and broad in the best way that I'm really excited about it, how broad it is.
0: So it sounds like you potentially see adding some additional business lines and services to what you're doing now, which is fantastic. Yeah. That's exciting. Thanks. Yeah. So if you were going to start a new business tomorrow, mm-hmm. would it be the podcasting or would there be something else that you would add to what you're already doing?
1: If I was going to start a brand new business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because podcasting would not be – podcasting would be –
0: It's an ancillary service.
1: Right, yeah. Like something that I just – my people, including current clients, would get to use as a support. If I was going to start a new business, what would I do? I don't know if I'm ever going to love a business quite like I love this business. So, I'm not going to pretend like I would (laughs) – it would be life (laughs) coaching. Like, there's no question. But – If I was going to do something else, I think something that I would explore is actually real estate. Mm. My partner and husband runs a small real estate corporation, and I think I would get into that just because it allows you to run a business that once you really get it underway and do the work to get it underway, Mm -hmm. doesn't require you to be in it Mm 24-7, and yeah, there's a lot of like flexibility and growth and fun opportunities, a fair bit of risk also as you navigate that. But that's something we're kind of exploring, which I've not really ever told anybody. So I love (laughs) that
0: it's the first time. I'm pulling all the details out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It has to be on podcasts the first time. But yeah, that's sort of like the next thing I think we would do is really look at investing in real estate as a way to have just this other business because yeah. I could see us doing it. And we like that industry.
0: That's awesome.
1: So it'd be cool. Good question. We'll
0: definitely have to have you on for the next podcast when you launch the new real estate endeavor. (laughs) I'm going to have
1: like 14 podcasts on this series. That's
0: (laughs) right. You're going to have all these follow-on calls. That's awesome. (laughs) Amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Please tell everyone where they can find you on the interweb and social media and all those places.
1: Thank you, Corey. Corey, you're so lovely. Thank you for some awesome questions. People can find me at my website. It's confidencewithsavannah.com. Savannah is spelled S-A-V-A-N-N-A. So confidencewithsavannah.com. And you can find me on social media. I have a Facebook page, but I'm not really on there. I'm much more on Instagram at confidencewithsavannah. So same thing. You can find all the links as well as podcasts that I've previously been on articles that I've written and a ton of freebies on my page under connect on my website.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Savannah. We loved having you.
1: Thank you so much, Corey.
0: We'll have you back soon. Thank you for tuning in to the source capital podcast, where we focus on helping small business owners, because we believe entrepreneurship is the best path to self-reliance, self-determination, and self-ownership. I'm your host, Corey Townsend. For more information, check us out at yoursmallbusinessbanker.com or at yoursmallbusinessbanker on Instagram or Facebook. And remember, as legendary cartoonist Walt Disney used to say, think beyond your lifetime if you want to do something truly great.